Welcome back to the Kind of Funny Games cast. As always, I'm Tim Geddes, joined by one of the coolest dudes in video games, Greg Miller. If you ain't squirting, you're girting. That's what I always say. Uh, the former informer, Imran Khan. What is Gurton like Gogurt? Or? I don't know. It sounds yeah. good though. Doesn't it? it sounds Dude. provocative. Go-Gurt I like saying things that I know going. Andy can make a shirt out of, you know? <laughs> and of course, the new face of video games blessing at AOEA Jr. It's me. Uh Tim, I got a I got a predicament that I'm in. Uh-huh. And so right before we started this podcast, uh I I went to grab some ha- some hats. Mm-hmm. Uh because I haven't seen my barber in a minute. And I know I don't look like terrible. You know, you probably couldn't tell that I haven't been to a barber, you know, because my, <laughs> my hair stays on point. Um, but still, I want to cover my hairline because it disturbs me having to see it on the computer. And so I have a bunch of hats and I want you guys to decide which hat I'm okay. wearing. Okay. Cool. I like so, it. So I got old reliable that I have been wearing. Right. It mm-hmm. says uncomfortable. It has like the square in the middle. Mm-hmm. Good uh, I, I have this Seattle Sounders hat uh, because I'm, I lived in Seattle for four years. It's I'm going like to give that a no. Green hat. I also have no on that one. I have a what's good games hat with a pin. No, we don't uh, want it. We're, not gonna We're not going to advertise them. We're not going to advertise. We're not going to advertise. Do they pay for an ad spot? If not, exactly. here's my thing. It's, it's exactly. dope. I would like to advertise them because I like them, but it doesn't match the fit. So I'm going to say no. No, I mean it's like it's black on black, black on black. No, I get stuff. it, but like there's you got the blue, you got the pink, and then the add in the purple. It's just too many elements. <laughs> You're right. You're right. And then I got this last hat, last hat that says Amen. I can't remember where I got it from. But I guess it fits within like the theme of my name being blessed. Here's, here's my thing. So, I'm gonna go with go. this one because yeah, yeah. The red. I know the shirt doesn't perfectly match. I think it looks good how you it's look right now with that yeah, mic. Yeah. Blessing, can oh, I? Oh yeah, you're right. Is it possible to wear all the hats at once? Oh, wow. I mean, I can try, oh, Andy. I, I, I can try. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is the kind of hold on, hold on. I gotta cast. do something. Andy, are you there? Andy Cortez. All right, then I'm on Andy's voicemail. Andy, I just said if you're squirt, if you're not squirting, you're girting, and I need that to be a T-shirt, and you can make it look like however you want to make it look. All right, bye. Each and every week, right here on YouTube.com/slash Kind of Funny Games, we get together to talk about video games and all the things that we love about them. You can get this show ad-free by going to Patreon.com/slash Kind of Funny Games, just like our many Patreon producers did: Muhammad Muhammad, Al Tribesman, James Hastings, Sancho West Gaming, Cody Banks. Trent Barry, Julian the Gluten-Free Gamer, Joseph O. Yusuf, and Scott Radloff. Thank you all for all the things that you do, including making sure that this show can be seen free for people later on YouTube.com slash KindOfFunnyGames or RoosterTeeth.com. If you want to listen to it, guess what? You can search for Kind of Funny Games cast on your favorite podcast service. I looked away for a bit. I looked back, and there's Blessing the Hats. <laughs> <laughs> Got to hide oh, I just want to see how long I can go without somebody acknowledging it. I love it. That was good. <laughs> that was that was damn good. Um, anyways, this is the kind of funny games cast. I'm very excited to talk about the topic today because it is now April 22nd as the as of recording this. As the so flies. many games have happened this year. We've hyped this year up to be one of the, if not the biggest year in video game history, and everything kind of got derailed a little bit, you know, a little bit. But it it didn't. That derailment happened late enough that at least we got banger after banger after banger. This is the first traditional games cast we've had in what feels like two months. Because we had some dynamite reviews. So we had reviews back to back. We had spoiler cast back to back. That's the thing. We, we got we got Ori and the Will of the Wisp. We have Half-Life Alex. We got Resident Evil 3, Final Fantasy yeah. 7, Doom Eternal, Animal Crossing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a lot. That those are some some banger games, right? potentially the final games we'll have this year we don't know we don't know 
but I feel like now's a good time to do game of the year so far. Kevin, roll the graphic. Sound effects. We got sound effects. I'll take them. I'll take them. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's my thing. Before we get into it, because I feel like we're gonna discuss all those games, we've had we've a lot more time to sit with them, right? We did the review. Some of us have went back and platinum them or replayed them, done a whole bunch of different things. Uh, but is there games that I didn't mention that you guys want to talk about before we get into those big guys? There's dreams. Hell yes, that's why you're blessing. Yeah, I think when we're talking about game of the year, I think dreams, I, I think dreams is like presence in the game of the year conversation is going to depend on how it looks like throughout the year because we we mentioned this on PSLV very briefly that I'm sorry, we haven't talked. Uh, PSLVXOXO, it's, it posts on Tuesdays on youtube.com slash kind of funny games and huh. on the podcast feed. Um, Dreams kind of came and went pretty quickly. And I think part of it was that it launched in early access uh, last year and then came out fully in February. Uh, and even with that February bump, I think you, you saw a lot, a lot of people peek in, but then immediately go like, okay, yeah, this is cool. And then other big, big games came out and distracted from it. But if you look at Dreams on like Metacritic, it's it it's gotten like great reviews like amazing reviews i think it got like a couple of of tens um yeah yeah. and like overall critically you know it it did excellent but it's one of those things where i think in terms of the the conversation around it that conversation is kind of dissipated because it is such an unconventional game but it is such a powerful tool that i think toward the end of the year it will come down to how is the conversation of dreams gone and i think that could it could go either way uh right now especially with the ps5 uh, coming up like i think i think the ps5 will probably mean big things for dreams in terms of how sony treats it and in terms of how whether or not it re-releases at launch and how that re-release looks like um but i think i think it's definitely going to be it's it's definitely a game that is going to come up in those conversations Mm -hmm. and do you think it hangs in the conversations do you think it actually has a chance not really like yeah i think what it's I think what's going to hurt it more than anything is the fact that it, and I'm not, I don't think it fizzled out. I just think it had its moment in the spotlight, but it was in the grand scheme of things, a, just a couple of weeks. Sirens are in mind. I don't know if you can hear them. Uh, it was just a couple of weeks in the spotlight before this gauntlet of games began. And so as, yeah, we've talked about on multiple shows, including this one, like it really comes down to now there is this dreams audience. I'm on in dreams.me right now, right? Right now, a little over about 2000 players online, which it was, we always talk about on PSL. you when we check in is down from where it normally is granted. It's, you know, middle of a Wednesday, so on and so forth. When you scroll through and you look at the games that are here, there are a whole, whole bunch of things I haven't seen that I haven't played that look awesome. And you see people continuing to iterate on their work, but it had that moment where everyone was online, where all that early access content paid off because suddenly people got their hands on the game. They wanted to jump in. They wanted to see what it was. That's when people were in there reviewing it. And so now, yeah, you get to the point of, how do you reinvigorate that audience again after all this? Do you let it go and then it's a PlayStation Plus game and people get in there? Do you let it go and at PlayStation 5 launch, uh, you get a sampling of 10 games in the engine or whatever that you can play or you know a, a game a day you can do or a dream a day you can do? There's got to be something you figure that could bring people back once again in the same way the early access did and show them that, hey, holy shit, this game's awesome. Do you think a rumored PC release would be that re- revitalization thing? <sighs> No, I think it would get people talking about it again and it would get people back into it. But I also think that it's got to be something crazy, right? And I think not, and I don't mean in a bad way, but like 
expanding the pool beyond PlayStation, I think muddies the message more where now you just have, you have people coming back in just, okay, yeah, my review still stands. Dreams is awesome. It's an excellent set of tools. Here it is on PC, right? They, they copy the review over. You need to have people excited to go back in there. And I don't, I, you know, there would be the, obviously the conversation that maybe certain aspects of creation, if not all of it would be easier to do on PC, but I think you need an even bigger influx of players. And I think that some kind of PlayStation plus some kind of, um, what are they calling it right now? Bless the COVID the games. Stay at home or play stay at home. home. The stay in new initiative, play at home initiative. Like that could do something to get people in there. But again, you need to space it out from how, right now where there is no oxygen even for it. Right now, the oxygen will be spent the same way we're spending of it. It reviewed really well. It's awesome from what we played. I want to go back and play more, but I'm still obsessed with Animal Crossing and I check in there every day. I'm getting excited for uh, Predator this week. I want to jump in and see that. Oh man, Borderlands just dropped more content. Division just you know dropped more content in their season pass. Like there's so there's only so much mindshare to go around right now. And so Dreams, as always, with its complicated message, not convoluted, but complicated message of yeah, there is a game here and there's unlimited games too, but you don't have to create, but you should create. But here's a long tutorial to get through to figure out how to create. Like that muddies the water so much that even me, somebody who has their idea for their level, has the certain uh, parts of it built or not level creation, has certain parts of it I, I you know collaborated with while I was really into dreams. But by the time I got the assets I needed from those collaborators, I had moved on to this review gauntlet we're talking about. And being on the other side of it now, I'm now to the point of like, Oof, yeah, I'm exhausted from living in a pandemic and being emotionally strung out all the time. I don't really feel like going in and creating. I feel like being simple and working on the wrestling ring and Animal Crossing, shooting a bunch of things in the division, right? Like, when do I, am I going to feel that creative bandwidth to go back and really deliver on that idea that I had? I mean, those so creative games kind of... From the outside uh, perspective for me, it's like, if if now's not a time for dreams to succeed, is it ever possible for it to? Because I feel like no matter what, like there's always going to be those distractions for for the, for the that type of game. And I feel like now's probably the time there's the least distractions for it, but it's like, it still sounds like, I mean, at least you, you're one use case, but... I don't see people all jumping in on this now. And I feel like that would be the time in this, what is now about to be a drought of games. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think dreams, I, I think dream strikes me as a game that doesn't necessarily aim to have a giant player base at all times. Like it is, it's a, it's a games as a service basically that doesn't have that same like overwatch or division hook where they are trying to get people playing and bring bring people back in event after event like dreams very much strikes me as a game that you you come to because you want to create something and then you create that thing and you're pretty much like okay cool yeah i'm, I'm done uh, there's like a core community there that i think sticks with dreams and that i think continues to create things but i think it's just such an unconventional thing that i don't know if i don't know unless like playstation does something dramatic with it or unless like playstation does something like hey let's just have everybody uh, who buys the PS5 own playable dreams for free, and then maybe they have to pay for the creation option. Unless they do something like that, I don't think dreams will ever have like the moment where everybody's playing it at the same time. You know, like I don't think dreams is looking to have that. But I think with where with where it's at and what it's doing, I think that steady stream of having a core community that is that is dedicated to it and having those those pop up successes come out like maybe like a couple times a month where we see something where like oh yeah that was made in dreams like last week there was the um the uh whatchamacallit the actor i forget his name like the comedy bit somebody like he threw through the guy it might have been a pulp fiction thing 
I don't. I didn't even see this. So I didn't yeah, even see. Yeah. Okay. About this. There was there was a famous actor who like retweeted a dream that was like a recreation of a scene from one of his movies. <laughs> um, and that made the rounds for for a day. But I think I think we'll see that quite a bit. But I also think the the longer that dreams is out, the more we'll see bigger and better creations from it. Like, you know, it takes time to develop a game. I I think dreams is no exception to that rule. Like there are there are full experiences in dreams, but I think a year, a two two years, three years in, that's when we'll probably see dreams shine more than ever. But back but to the, the problem game is, do you think you'll be able to shine for the mainstream? Like that's the biggest problem with it, right? It's because I feel mm-hmm. like Dreamform is a plat or Dreams is a platform within a platform. And so it's already like, do you care about PlayStation games? And then you'd be talking to that audience. And then to be like, do you care? All right, you care about PlayStation games. Do you care about dreams? And then I'm talking to that audience. Do you care about first person shooters inside of dreams inside of the PlayStation 4? Like that's where it gets complicated on how do you break those walls down and do something with it? When Dreams launched in February, right? Like it was early enough that it felt like that was its time where not everyone but it seemed like a lot of people i followed were playing it and were you know doing um streams similar to like mario mondays or whatever like where they were into dreams every morning i think clapic was doing dreams every morning and it was an idea of like oh hey this is a discovery and this is cool and you jump in and then to jump to where we are now and in the future of all right cool i've put all this time in and i've made this amazing game it's that problem of cool you can make the dreams community understand that the people who are on the subreddits or on the message boards but then how do you break that out and even you know an actor re- or somebody huge retweeting something that somebody yeah, it was tommy was so um, it was like a oh hi mark scene from gosh. the room oh that's right i saw that that was hilarious even getting people to retweet that kind of thing does that get them then to go play the game or play the level and i mean the game within the, the, the play the creation does it get them to turn on their playstation 4 turn on download dreams go in and do that that's the Dream. big problem Dream's ideal situation would have been if Microsoft never picked up Minecraft and everyone who played Minecraft was like, I want something more complicated and I want to pay money for it. Then that would have been great for Dream's, but because that didn't happen, there was never really a situation where the main people who have that like creative urge and want to spend time learning tools and stuff like that would be honestly like preteens and teenagers. And they never really moved on from Minecraft to that, or if they moved on from Minecraft, it wasn't to another creation game. It was to nothing. Yeah. Maybe like Fortnite. Yeah, but all this said, there's like, Roblox you, too, but that's also free. Yeah. Do you think that this holds it back from being in the game of the year conversation? I still think people, when we get to the end of the year, people are going to talk about like, holy shit, Green, Dreams is an amazing creator. Dreams has all these different things. I, I love Dreams. I'm sure there's people who are still playing. And I mean, I know there's people who are still playing Dreams Daily. I think there's still people in the industry who will be voting and doing Game of the Year lists and all that jazz that are still playing Dreams. Not every day, probably, but with some regularity and keeping you know a, a glance at what's going on. Do you think it can still win Game of the Year at places? I think there's a there's a psychology that would allow for Dreams to be that game that when we get to the end of the year, it's like, actually, this year, this is the most interesting thing. The yeah. thing that I think would be hurting it is the fact that that soft launch was last year and a lot of people just kind of got Dreams out of their system since then. Right. Hmm. Yeah, I think the thing that hurts Dreams the most in the Game of the Year conversation is in the fact that like it's not one of the most impressive games of the year because I think it is one of the most impressive games of the year. But being, Game of the Year means more than that, right? Like you know, it, there's conversation around it. There's there's you know how the community reacts to it. There's how mm-hmm. how it's treated like post release. Like there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. And I think Dreams isn't a game. Like when I think of 2020, we're in 2020, right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, it's, time's a flat circle. When we think 2020, I don't think Dreams is the game that I think people are going to come back to and be like, oh, yeah, this is the game that represents or this is is the best game of the year. 
Hmm. At least I right can now. See that. Yeah, I can see that. Besides dreams, any other games that I, that we missed in the, the big discussion there? I haven't played a ton of it, so I'm not going to argue for it right now, but I will probably... There's a good chance I will argue for it when we get to the game of the year or next year. But Kentucky Route Zero. Like, apparently, I, from what little I've played, it is amazing. The writing is amazing. The, act, the story is incredible. For what people have said, people who have finished it have told me, the game is actually just one of the best games they've ever played, period. And I'm very eager to get to that point. It just... Like Greg said, it's been a gauntlet the last couple of weeks, so yeah. haven't really got a chance. I've had that on my uh, PlayStation as well, sitting there, and I'm like, I know everyone talks this game up and how amazing it is, and I know that I need to get into it. Can you guys give the pitch on what it is? It's so it's kind of like a, I don't want to say a LucasArts style graphic adventure, but it's a kind of a meld between that and the Telltale kind of stuff. Of here's a narrative adventure game that is based on essentially like an Americana, uh, supernatural, paranormal. X-Files kind of story. Like I said, I'm not far enough into it to really give like a good pitch of like where the next couple of chapters or next episodes go after this. They're all out. It's all done. I just haven't gotten a chance to do it. But from what people say, the the writing is, from what I've observed, very natural and very interesting. Every character seems to have their own personal voice, which is not hmm. something you can tell that, like, do that well unless you're really paying attention to it. So, I... I encourage people to give it a try, but I need to spend more time with it myself. Hmm. Bless, have you tried this one at all? I've not, no. Yeah, I'm looking at a trailer now. It looks pretty pretty cool. Yeah, like yeah it's one that shadow. I think since in the, uh, it's had a uh, prolonged release schedule, like mm-hmm. it just ended and it's been going forever because I think it is that at IGN, Mitch was talking about this game to me. No <laughs> like, shit. I think it's that long. I could totally be talking about my ass and maybe oh, Mitch like 2013. Maybe, no, yeah, there you go. Okay, good. I'm not wrong. And so, like, I've known for a long time it was for me. It was the kind of Greg game of narratives and characters and all this stuff. And then, like, yeah, it's we've been so run and gun on everything else we've been needing to do that I've it sat there. And Andy actually started it. I think he might have streamed some of it or just played it at launch. And I remember asking him about it. And he was like, yeah, but it's dense. Like, it's like, he's like, it's something you need to sit and pay attention to. And I've like, cool, I have not had that energy since January. So <laughs> it's there to go, but I'm just not there yet. Yeah. Uh, any sure. other games, guys? Yeah, about, one uh, I would one I, I'm sorry, well, I'm gonna go bless. Uh, fuck you. Yeah, you to might put on another hat, why don't you? You know what I mean? Uh no, I don't think we're gonna do maybe I'm wrong though. Uh thank you. If we were if the year was ending right now and we were talking about game of the year, right? I would throw it out there. And this is always the thing of like, why would you nominate it if it wasn't gonna win? I don't think it would win, but I think there'd be an interesting case to make. And maybe it's just totally too much Greg on it, but like I think there'd be a case to be made for Bloodroots. Which, uh, you know, of course, for disclosure, uh, was represented by Pop Agenda, which is the company my wife co-founded or whatever in terms of helping uh, indies get their games out to everything else. They've done a whole bunch of games you've never heard me talk about, though. So this is not Paola. It's the fact that I think Bloodroots is fucking awesome by Paper Cult Games. Um, And when I got it and started it, it was very much, we had done the let's play of it. If you're not familiar, right. It's like what it's not completely top down, but from a little bit of a side view, uh, running through these levels, you're picking up any, anything's a weapon. You pick it up, you use it to fight people. You use it to knock them out. You have one hit point. Everybody else has various numbers, usually one, but you know, there's different things. You use the weapons. You combo through, you're trying to get through the highest score. You're trying to just get through these levels. And when we did it for our let's play back in the party mode, it was fun and it was cool, but even then I was like, I like this gameplay a lot, but I don't know if it would resonate for me throughout an entire game because I'm not a high score chaser. Uh, I don't want to get, I don't, I play games for, you know, not being annoyed and not feeling like I'm getting my face rubbed in my mistakes and I can't keep moving. 
And so to get blood roots and just fucking tear it apart in a weekend, you know what I mean? And sit there and have levels that I did spend 30, 45 minutes on trying to get through, but never feel like I was being screwed over by the game. It was the fact, fuck, I knew like it, it got to be such a hotline Miami type of thing of like, I know I'm going to walk through and I'm going to pick this bucket mm -hmm. up. I'm going to hit that guy, but that's going to clean these two guys. So how am I going to, I got a barrel roll through the, and like that part of the gameplay. There's a moment in that game in world two or three where I remember literally sitting on the couch going, fuck, this is good. Cause and it's just like, it's such a beautiful game. It is so much fun to play. It is a, it is the rare game that is a game that stands out to me. You know what I mean? If that makes sense, where it is like, it's not a story thing that I love about it. It's not the characterization or this thing making me want to hug somebody. It's legitimately like, I just love the moment to moment gameplay of this and the strategy of this game that on the surface looks like a colorful, bloody cartoon, but in reality is this thing like, how the fuck are you going to get over there and do that thing? Bless. Bloodwoods was the one I was going to also bring oh. up um, because I knew Greg loved it um, okay. and I also liked it. Um, but also, I do I do want to also bring up uh, Neo 2, which I know Imran played yeah. uh, and really liked when we did the first impression stream. What do you think, Imran? Any chance? Uh, I don't think it's going to be game of the year, but like it is a really good game. It's an improvement on Neo 1 quite a bit. Uh, it Where it falters is the same place as Neo 1 faltered, and that's kind of a shame because it feels like it... It it does make a lot of improvements in a lot of different places. It's just those couple of places where I wish it would just be a little bit better. Like level design are not small issues. Those mm -hmm. become larger issues to go through. That said, I I haven't beaten the game yet, but I got spoiled on the game and the final boss is insane in a way that I really <laughs> appreciate. So I'm I kinda wanna go back to it once, you know, all of the fervor of currently right right now will die down. Mm -hmm. And presumably I can go back and actually play some games I was playing before. Awesome. Uh, so I was trying to coordinate something off off screen. I think I think it's gonna work here. Greg, I need yeah. you. Can you add Barrett to the DM? Oh, you know I can. Think, 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 think. I appreciate it. I want to get some thoughts on Persona Five Royal. Yeah, I was gonna mention that, but I was like, none of us have played it. So real quick, hold on. I'm gonna add him, but I think that also does start a new thing we might all have to accept. So let's see what happens. Hold on to your ass, everybody. Oh no, he just added. Perfect. Didn't freak out at all. Now, is this real Barrett or evil Barrett? Nobody knows. If he has a mustache, it's evil Barrett. <laughs> there he is. Uh, it's, it's if I'm wearing the, uh, the glasses. Wait, two seconds, boys. Two there seconds. Oh, it's whoa. It's oh, sad evil boy Barrett. Barrett. God damn it. I love it so much. Yeah, I appreciate Kevin trying to figure this out on the fly. I was texting him. I was like, can we add someone to this? It's, uh, I had his yeah. name wrong. Okay. I had I, I like organized it in a way that I thought it, his name was Barrett on this, and I forgot it was Sad Boy because it, mm. it's alphabetical. There we go. Look, gotcha, uh, gotcha. Dare you forget my brand? <laughs> so Barrett, you you've been playing a lot of Persona Five Royal. Yeah, I put 130 hours into it in my the God. span of 30 days, which I think <laughs> it might be the fastest um, I've ever put into like a game in such a short amount of time. That's awesome. So in terms of game of the year conversation, actually, before we even get into that, because we haven't talked much about this game, the new content and all that, like, how are you feeling mm. about it? I absolutely adore it. Uh, it. It was one of those things when, like, I uh, wrote, uh, sent in my failed Boss Baby uh, safe gamer zone to PSI Love You XOXO, and, like, a third of uh, that segment got cut off. Um, I said in that uh, segment, like, I, I was 20 hours in at the time, and with like the subtle changes, because a lot of the new story content is in like the last third of the game. I was only 20 hours in, hadn't seen a lot of new story stuff. Like I, they had introduced me to a couple of characters, 
um the changes i hadn't really felt yet like there's there are subtle things in like the battle system and uh like the social system that i hadn't felt like the full like benefits of until i would say like 30 hours in and that's where i was like oh i'm leveling up a lot faster i am uh ranking out my social stats a lot faster which helps me uh rank up confidant stats like way faster and um it was shortly after uh the um embargo for the game that i was like oh i'm definitely did not read this uh royal the right way and because the first 15 20 hours was like all right yeah this is cool it's persona 5 again it's uh you know, it's just a lot of the same of what I remember it being. And then quickly after that, it was like, oh, no, here, here were all the benefits come in of uh, the the things that Royal adds uh, that make it feel like an entirely new experience. So, yeah, think, I adore it. Do you think it has a chance at Game of the Year conversation? I don't. Th- to me, there's no other question for Game of the Year right now. Um, and I know that's a very I, I have a very big bias because Persona 5, the base game was my game. Uh, my favorite game of all time royal has replaced the base wow. game as my favorite game of all time i think and like um it, it's one of those things where like i'm playing through i'm like two-thirds of the way through final fantasy 7 remake right now and it's one of those things where i think there are i think there are dips in royal where you're like all right like this little segment right here i could take it or leave it but those always kind of leave right when you think they're like taking too much time whereas like what i'm thinking like my experience with seven right now which i'm amazed at how many people are like uh praising for being the best game of the year without question it's like there's a lot of just like uh like i I tweeted out like i compared it to the highs and lows of a roller coaster it's like there's a lot of lows in this game and like a lot of downtime where there's just like a lot of shit that i would just not want to be doing right now um i i don't think there's any other question i think the and like finally being able to get to the new story content and experience it because that was the stuff I was more uh, that was the stuff I was most worried about uh, because the original Persona Five game I thought was such the, like a perfect ending for that story and those characters like the true ending I'm, I'm talking about of course and uh, like I the first time I beat it like I I was crying and like I I've only cried at the end of two games and it's Persona Five and Undertale um and so like i i was worried because of the new story content like were they going to be able to stick the landing with uh what changes they made with royal and they somehow improved on my one of my favorite video game endings of all time the the new kind of there i have i'm sorry i have a lot of thoughts on persona 5 royal and this is such a big game that like Every day I wake up and I think about it and I text our, our friend Alex O'Neill all the time about it because it's all we want to talk about ever is uh, this fucking game. But how long and, ago did you beat it? Uh, I beat it a week and a half ago, I want to say. Are you are you playing it again or are you just, just no it, it's one of those things like it, i think don't get me wrong i text you. i text clements about pat upon every day but it's just <laughs> weird you know, it, like alex o'neill is replaying royal already like he started gotcha. playing like replaying it like right after he beat it and like i was almost there but it was like no nah, i do want to play final fantasy 7 remake and i do want to play different games to stream and stuff like that so i i imagine i'll go back to it soon um, but I, I just wanted to give like a fair shake to other games and stuff and not put another 130 hours into the same game. Um, the, the, this was without spoiling anything without the, like uh, all the new major stuff that Royal does. Um, I would say the, the ending of persona five, um, 
the the entirety of the game it's kind of always scaling up and it, it it's always getting bigger and the end of persona 5 is this big like save the world grand moment and it's cool and it's epic but what makes persona 5 uh special to me is how personal it can get and what royal does is that you still get that grand epicness of like you, you still get all of the same dungeons that were in the base game but then for the last dungeon they make it personal again and it like on an on a level that I did not expect the game to go. And it, it was one of those things where the, the story that they add for the final palace was so heartbreaking and such like a, a great story that like, I can't imagine uh persona five without the added stuff uh, that Royal has uh, that I, like I, I said, and like when I beat persona five, like, the base game, I I cried, and like when the last cutscene came up, I was like, "Oh my god, this is such a beautiful end!" I cried all the way from the fucking end of the last boss fight of Royal, all the way until the last cutscene of the game, which was good, like hour. That's a good hour of tears, <laughs> and I'm just crying the entire time. And of course, it's I know because I know it's wrapping up, and I know we're about to say goodbye to these characters, but with the new context that, um the characters are given and the story is given it is such a a beautiful story and um i i highly recommend it to anybody who's interested in jrpgs uh, i i think to me this is the best modern jrpg out there right now i will how, say how long how, how, how long is it it is <laughs> two minutes argument is the highest rated game right now of 2020 period it is at 95 on Metacritic. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah. I think it's, it's getting scored better time. than actual like new games. Like that that is that blows me away. Cause again, when the review embargo came up, I was a little lower on it. And so I was surprised with like, oh man, like a lot of people are liking this like even more than actual new games out there. And I thought that was surprising. Sorry, Blessing, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say, how long does it get to the new content that feels meaningful? Because I know like I I started playing. What is that story-wise or gameplay-wise? both in a way that doesn't like because okay so here's here's my thing right i started playing mm -hmm. persona 5 royal i got mm -hmm. a couple hours in and there was like a few new cutscenes um within that first couple of hours yeah. but the thing that kind of stopped my playthrough is the fact that from what i understand of it i know like there's a new semester and a lot of that content is there but i know also that there's like stuff sprinkled throughout the whole experience of the game that is mm -hmm. new like there's the grappling hook stuff that me and joey talked about on our first impressions which is such Does a like that, that's not like that's like it's, it's not substantial that's like a weird uh thing that i i, I don't it gives opportunity that's what, that's what it's some new things um that's definitely what it seemed like the, the gameplay was something and this was like I felt like this was on me. Like I should have gone back to the base Persona 5 game before I checked out Royal because a lot of the major gameplay upgrades I didn't notice until a good amount of time in and like actually talking to Alex O'Neill, who is an expert in all things Persona, where it was like, um, like oh, like Baton Pass isn't tied behind a confidant rank anymore. Like you'd have to get like oh. a certain confidant to like level three or four to be able to even Baton Pass to them. Now, right when they enter your party, Baton Pass is available. And that helps mm -hmm. the flow of like, it is such a minor change, but it helps the flow of uh, an already great and fluid combat system so much more. Um and, and and so like the gameplay effects i really felt like 20 to 30 hours in um and the story get definitely gets a little more sprinkled in after the first palace like a lot of the new characters and a lot of the new like ways you have to rank up uh like a certain confidant um 
is all kind of introduced after Kamashita, which is understandable because that's like you kind of have to have Kamashita be the same to you know teach you what the game is. Uh, but you start to feel it a lot. Like uh, new characters get sprinkled in, and it's um, it's really like the new major stuff um, that you have to do certain things to unlock uh, is at the end of December. Um, and there's some, so, like there's some major stuff like scenes before that, but like a lot of the, the main new story is, uh, is does it feel very, like a new experience though? Like leading up absolutely. to that? Yeah. It's like, it, it's interesting because there, again, without spoiling too much, there is a scene. I want to say, I think it's before Sainijima's palace that was like so major. And it, it, it feels like a side story almost. It's like how, okay, if like I unlock the new semester by doing all the stuff that like the prerequisite stuff that you need to do, how are, what just happened here? How are they going to fit that into the story? And that was the cool thing about um, getting through the last palace, um, which was from the base game was like, all right, I know I've, I've done everything I've can to unlock the new semester. And like, I was scared and excited because I was like, oh my God, this is new stuff. Like we're going to experience an entirely new story. And it, it was, and it went in a totally different direction than I thought it was going to. And then like, because they lay it out and the, like, in kind of like, they reveal what the new stuff is, but they don't tell you like why it's like this way. And it was like 30 minutes in where I think I figured it out. I was like, no, please don't tell me this was the cause of like what is happening right now. And I was right. And I was so upset and it's a very good story. And <laughs> all I'll say is, and, and, and again, without spoiling as, as much as I can, Maruki, who's the, uh, the hot counselor, who's one of the new characters in this game is hands down the best character in persona five. Wow. Awesome. Yeah, I'm going to replay it then you, you've convinced me. Good. So there you go. Bear also, um, catchy who I absolutely, Akechi, who I absolutely hated in the base game, actually gets a redemption and is Kylo Ren done right in this game. Wow. Wow. That's all set. Thank you, Barrett. We appreciate you very much. You can get Thank back you. to whatever glasses. the hell it is you do around here. <laughs> 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 all day. <laughs> all right. Bye. Uh, before we move on to other stuff, let me tell you about our sponsors. This episode of the Kind of Funny Podcast is brought to you by Honey. You've heard me talk about Honey before. It is a free add-on for your browser that saves you money. It is super simple, of course. I use it all the time. I actually just redeemed it for an Amazon card, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Basically, what you do is you go and you download Honey. How do you download Honey? Honey is a free online shopping tool that saves you money online. I already covered that, of course. But what you need to do is go to honey.com slash kinda. When you go there, you're going to download this widget. In three clicks, it's installed. And guess what? It's just a little widget I'm putting on my computer. It lives up here on my Google Chrome. And when I go and I check out on all the stores I use online, it'll pop it and it goes, hey, Honey's checking for coupons. Because what it does is it looks through all the coupon codes that are available on the internet to find you the code for the site you're on so that it can be used there, save you money, save you time. And it save if you log in with your Gmail or whatever you want to. There's a bunch of ways to log in. I log in with my Gmail. Uh, it'll accrue Honey coins there that you can then use to redeem for things like Amazon money, which is what I did, Greg Miller, for my Amazon uh, points. 
Honey has found over 18 million members, more than $2 billion in savings. Uh, did you know that Honey supports over 30,000 stores online? And they're adding more every day. Users love Honey. That's why it has more than 100,000 five-star reviews on the Google Chrome store. Like I said, you go there, you check out, little box drops down, you click apply coupons, it searches, gives you the promo codes of the best, and the prices drop. Not using Honey is literally passing up free money. It's free to use, and it installs in just two clicks. I said three, I lied. Two clicks. Uh, Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash kinda. That's joinhoney.com slash kinda. My name is Greg Miller. I can't recommend this service enough because I legitimately use it all the time. It's right there. Kevin, am I lying? No, you're telling the truth, Greg. Our other sponsor is ExpressVPN. Okay, so we all know how ExpressVPN protects you and your privacy online, right? And your security, all that jazz. But here's something you might not know. You can also use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. Now that so many of us are stuck at home, it's only a matter of time until you run out of things to binge on Netflix. Uh, we have a friend who's been using ExpressVPN instead of being stuck on uh, that their Netflix in America to stream Dr. Who, not Hugh, Dr. Who on UK Netflix. Uh, it's so simple to do you fire up the express vpn app you change your location to the uk and you reflect refresh netflix that's it you're in it's amazing uh you see express vpn hides your ip address and lets you control where you want sites to think you're located you can choose from almost 100 different countries so just think about all the netflix libraries you can browse uh of course uh we've talked about express vpn uh, before they've sponsored kind of funny before they are great you can use it to you know use that uh hide your ip address which is great uh protect all your accounts make sure nobody's snooping on you online but in these times of sheltering in place they're expressing that you can of course use express vpn to get better netflix libraries along with uh hulu bbc iplayer youtube and more you name it you can use it plus it's compatible with all your devices your phones your media consoles your smart tvs and more so you can watch what you want on a personal device or the big screen wherever you are if you visit my special link right now at expressvpn.com slash kind of funny you can get an extra three months of express vpn for free support the show watch what you want and protect yourself with express vpn at expressvpn.com slash kind of funny Greg Miller. Hey, buddy. What's your game of the year so far? Oh, I wrote down a list. Let me look at it. I mean, it's funny because I think I argue against it in the review we did, but I think it's got to be Animal Crossing. Like, uh, I am shocked that day after day, week after week, I find another reason to love Animal Crossing more and be excited to turn it back on. You know what I mean? I think... When we did the review and when we first got it, and even when you maybe see stuff online or people talk about it, I think there are pangs of mobile games in it. You know what I mean? Of like, oh, well, you turn it on every day at least to go to the Nook Terminal and get your bonus Nook Miles or whatever. And that's true, but it's not the reason I'm drawn to it. I'm still drawn to it for the same reason I was excited to turn on the first time of to see what's different and what's happening on the island. Uh, what is in the shop? What is going on with my creation what somebody has sent me like i think there's so much to animal crossing that is so hard to put into words and you don't know until you're in there playing it and i think the shared euphoria i see every sunday on twitter of people picking up turnips and being excited to wake up on sunday and go after turnips uh you know there's that not not a movement by any stretch of the imagination, but you know how people do the thing. I forget, it had a, one of those weird names of when you send a photo of a gift to somebody that you're not going to buy them, but you'd send it to them when you see it at a you know some kind of tchotchke shop or when you're on a, a vacation or whatever. Like 
Animal Crossing is this thing that is legitimately every day I wake up and I have mail from my friends who are playing this game who ran into an item and were like, oh, Greg just did that wrestling thing. Here's a ring bell for him or whatever. And in, and in granted, so much of this is wrapped up with the fact that I don't get you can't go out and see your friends. So this is a way to interact with them and share the world with them and stuff like that. But to have that kind of stuff happening to unlock the you know the oh you get to terraform your island and put down paths or whatever and maybe like okay that'll last for a little bit and then i'll probably stick to it but no this past weekend i got you know this wild hair to go through and lay down new paths and terraform this and this section of the island i've never touched before at least i haven't done much with before last night i went in and put in a staircase and then on top of that tomorrow's earth day and they're dropping all these shrubs that i'm excited for and to go get art and expand the museum and to dig up this stuff and it's like even in old Animal Crossings, I felt that eventually getting the fossils or collecting the bugs and filling out the Critterpedia like got to be not busy work, but repetitive. And somehow with everything that's going on in this game, I'm not running into that experience where I'm still turning it on, excited to turn it on. And I'm still putting in, you know, I think last night I must have put in four hours, three hours of just fucking around in it and building stuff and changing my outfit. And now I've run into this thing of after putting up the video of the wrestling ring I created in the seats and the, you know, the signs and shit, I was like, man, that was fun. And now like today, I don't know if you saw Tim, I put up one about you uh, ring a ding, ding Tim or whatever. Like I'm just setting up things and buying items in the shop of like, what can I do with this costume? I'll buy it and figure it out. And then going, it's like that game. I, I've seen the articles, like, you know, our friend Jeff Grubb from games beat put up one of like, here's the problems with animal crossing now and why i'm running into walls with it and chrissy uh tegan actually quote tweeted it and was like this is what i'm talking about like i need the game to tell me what to do like i don't like that like, you're just kind of left to your own devices and having being left to my own device in this game where legitimately there you turn it on there's no objective anymore of like here's what you're trying to do what you're up to and i've never been one for you know collect all the bugs and i didn't even I, the egg event i didn't care about i didn't like any of it so i wasn't screwing around with the easter stuff I'm still finding my own reasons to play that game and do things in that game and interact with the characters both on my island and then around me. And then back to the same thing of, you know, like I'm on this weird text thread with uh, Goldfarb and uh, other people of like, what are you looking for? So you keep your eye open for this. And Jen's always looking for kitchen items. And it's just it's like, it's this weird way of interacting with everybody, you know, out of the blue, uh, uh, Leah uh, hit us up, right? Or uh, Leah Jackson, uh, formerly of IGN, hit us up. And out of blue, just drop me these superhero uniforms I've never seen in the game or whatever, right? And so then I'm talking to her on text, just bullshitting around about other stuff too. And it's just like, it's 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 more. It is. I think it's amplified by the time of coronavirus and pandemic and shelter in place. But I don't think that that is giving it a million extra bonus points. I think the game's incredibly well done, and I'm excited to turn it on every day and play more of it. And these updates are crazy, but that's kind of the craziest thing to me is like you know when we talk about game of the year i feel like it's not just the best game or the most technical game or whatever and we've had this discussion mm. in a bunch of different ways but it also kind of is what is the game that encapsulates the conversation of that year as well yeah and that's why you know things like minecraft will will come up in those conversations in those years or even just more in terms of influence and all that and i feel like given the situation of everything going on on top of the fact that you know now that we're a quarter into 2020 and we still don't know Nintendo's plans for the rest of the year. And it's like so much was riding on Animal Crossing, which feels like a bizarre move. Like everyone knew it was going to be successful, but I don't think any of us expected it to be successful to the extent that it is. And sure, a lot of that is due to the coronavirus stuff. But like those sales numbers that came out um, right. in the last couple of days, like 
I, I didn't get the chance to talk to you guys on Games Daily about this or anything, but like that's insane. Yeah, like, there were numbers today that it like literally broke records for all video games, period, in terms of digital sales. Like that's that, that's so Imran, like I, I was trying to find the actual stats on this to to verify it because it gets confusing when like I'm reading things that are talking about US only versus the world. Mm-hmm. From what I was reading, this is telling me that like this is now the second highest selling Switch game, period. Uh, I don't think that's true. Yeah, it's a fast, yeah. it's a best selling, it's the best debut in America for a Switch game, short of Smash. So Smash Ultimate has a higher debut. Smash Brawl so has a higher debut. debut. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So we don't, in terms of raw sales, not yet. But honestly, who knows in the next six months what's going to happen? Yeah. We'll get we'll get actual concrete numbers. I think in a week or two. Man, it's just that's that's crazy stuff. That you know, Animal Crossing was always kind of like a mainstream hit in the sense that it 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 hit on that level of everybody with the DS, a portable Nintendo system, would be playing this game even people that don't traditionally play games but i feel like this is now that perfect switch entry where it's mm-hmm. like it's it has those people but it also has the hardcore people and because of the situation right now it kind of has everyone yeah so it's like i i can see the, the game of the year conversation going that way and i think you know it's been interesting to compare we talked about this i think uh on a games daily recently or maybe it was just a conversation with somebody but compare it to doom eternal that came out on the same day and you know everybody loved doom eternal and thinks it's one of the best first person shooters right but like who's talking about doom eternal right now you know what i mean like it's not like and I, and that's not a knock against doom eternal it's just a, it's more of a this game is something special whether you want to sit there and be like it's not even a game what are you doing you're just micromanaging an island like it's done something incredible here mm-hmm. yeah so speaking of doom eternal what are you guys thinking I think it's definitely in the conversation. I don't like the further I got away from that game, the more I was like, okay, yeah, that campaign was really good, but there's some things I would change about it. Mm-hmm. And the longer I like, I, I went back and like p- poked at it a little bit, but I didn't want to replay it ever again. Cause <laughs> it just, it was a, it was a difficult game. And the more I thought like, okay, what if I just do it on like harder or a, like a, a more difficult difficulty I was just like, no, I don't want to, because then that just sounds frustrating to me at that point. How do you feel about it, Bless? I I feel a similar way in terms of the difficulty. Like I think thinking back to Doom Eternal, if I had if if I think there are two things taking away from it in the game of the year conversation. I think one of those things is the fact that like I think later in the game, the difficulty balancing, at least on like the normal difficulty, kind of gets off a little bit to where like there are certain encounters where it's like why would you guys do this like why would you why would, why would you guys have three waves and in the middle wave there's a marauder and a bunch of people like a like a bunch of like higher level demons around the marauder like why am i why am i in this encounter um to the point where it gets messy and you feel like you're doing more than the game is actually like keeping up with or at, at least you're doing more than what your brain can keep up with in the moment uh to where it feels like you're just being overwhelmed uh i feel like they could have they, they could have balanced that that stuff out a bit more um, but oh, like overall that experience, like my experience with Doom Eternal, I think was still excellent despite that. But then the second thing that I think is take away from Doom Eternal in the game of the year conversation is the fact that Doom 2016 also exists. Um, and where Doom 2016 came out and immediately became one of my favorite, if not my favorite, uh, first person shooter of the generation, Doom Eternal came out and I'd say it's better than Doom 2016 but doesn't feel as special and as fresh and as new because we've gotten that before. Um, and so it's been, I feel like for, for us collectively, like 
as I guess like a gaming community, I feel like it's been a lot easier to for, for that excitement and that energy coming off of Doom Eternal to dissipate because it doesn't feel as fresh and as new as Doom 2016, despite it being still a, a, a very excellent experience. Um, I've seen a lot said, of people say that like they that Doom Doom Eternal just doesn't get what was good about 2016. And I think that's true. I think it's as good or better a game, but I think. Mm-hmm. If you're a fan of 2016, it does not understand what was great about that game, like in terms of story or mechanics or anything like that. It takes a lot of things to 11 that you wouldn't think were things you would want necessarily to improve about that game. So mm-hmm. it's not like it is not a sequel to 2016 in a lot of ways. And I think some people get really pissed off about that. It definitely feels like they took Doom 2016 and and they were like, all right, how do we heighten every single element of this game? And yeah, to what you're saying, like maybe that, maybe. Maybe they they did need to heighten certain things. Maybe they just needed to like focus up certain things. Because the thing that when I think when I think of Doom 2016, I do think of how focused it is and how yeah. limited it feels in some spaces, but how great that is, right? Like Doom Eternal added added the platforming elements, which to me, like I look at that and I'm like, yeah, these platforming elements are great. Like the way that they they make the levels feel bigger, you know, is great. The way that you feel like you are you have something to do in between the fighting that 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 in allows you to kind of relax despite still being involved in the game i think is great but you look at doom 2016 and you're like well this is like an a like a singular experience that you're having that you're having here and doom 2016 i think works supremely well because of that where doom Doom eternal is definitely doing a lot and it's it's hard it's it's almost hard to compare despite them being in the same franchise because in, in certain ways it's like yeah like they definitely switched up what the mission statement of doom is going to be with doom eternal but at the same time like i feel in a lot of those ways they succeed in ways that that are better than doom 2016 like it's it's, it's a lot of like pros and cons right. um to how it kind of nets out yeah like a similar thing for me is resident evil where it's like i i think the difference is most people would say that eternal is better than 2016 when it comes to doom but like mm-hmm. re2 is my game of the year last year and like there's no chance re3 is in my game of the year this year and I don't think that's even just because there's games already that I would consider higher than it. It's all—it's just it on its own. I don't think it's game of the year caliber in a way that RE2, I think, to me, would be in that conversation, even if there was some of the other games out now um, that I, I'm enjoying more. Um, but yeah, like it, it's kind of a bummer to me that RE3 and Ori are not in my game of the year conversation. I enjoyed Ori a lot, but... I don't find myself looking back on that experience as something that I'm like, oh man, like that was something super special. It was just like, oh, okay. Like the game, game, it was a good game, but it wasn't like a transformative experience that I I kind of want from that type of game Mm -hmm. to like extend it into the game of the year conversation, you know? It was funny because I I went back and I read like OXM had like a big preview on RA3, like of that preview event when we went to Capcom for it. And I went back and read it, and like none of that stuff was in the game. And I was was really curious. That was a weird conspiracy thing where, I mean, I don't remember the details. I read this a lot on Reset Era, but it sounded like a lot of the OXM stuff was not actually based on the remake. It was based on the original game. I guess because like it was stuff like you travel around the city using the subway. I'm like, no, that's that's very much not true. So I'm just curious, like, is there a version of RE3 sitting somewhere that is more expensive than what we got? And if so, I'd Hmm. really love to see that. That would be interesting. Greg, the one that I'm interested you didn't talk about at all is Half-Life Alex, which I think is a game definitely out of our 
typical wheelhouse here, you know, being more a PC sided thing. In addition to that, VR, it's mechanical and all that. Like where, where does it fall to you as a game of the year? And where do you think it's going to fall in the overall game of the year conversation? Well, I think it's going to be forgotten a lot of times in the overall game of the year conversation. I think the fact that it is VR immediately limits the pool of players for it. And I think that that will work against it. But I mean, if you go back to the review, Tim, that I did here with Danny, uh, it was a conversation, right? Of like, Danny was all about it. And like, I don't get me wrong. Half-Life Alex is great. And if you love VR games, you should play it. But my thing is, I I can easily see I can easily see it being VR game of the year, but for game of the year, game of the year, I don't I don't, and it's just the fact that playing it, I remember playing it, as I was playing it, and enjoying it, and having a great time with it, being like, man, this is a really great VR game. I, I, it wasn't the man. This is a really great game. I'm completely lost in the experience. I can't believe you know it was that. And I mean, I talk about like you know looking at my watch in the game, thinking my watch would be there, but I st- I stand by the fact of just like. The way enemy AI runs into the room and plants itself, like and it like gives you the opportunity to kill it, like it's just, it's like that for me breaks that experience of putting it beyond what VR games do, what be, putting it beyond or breaking down the walls and, and making me look at it in the same way. I remember when we were IG and we used to go, oh man, this downloadable game is great. You don't even think about it as a downloadable game, right? Like when that when that was on the when, oh man, this is all, this could compete almost with real games. Like this game has enough vr hang-ups i feel and, and i don't mean hang-ups in a bad way necessarily but it has all the calling cards of a vr game that i think when you play it you're oh pain, aware i'm in a vr game i'm not lost in the experience thinking like this is a transformative experience again i go back you know like and this is not spoilers if you haven't watched it but like the chapter entitled Je- jeff the jeff chapter of half-life alex is fucking insane and it is so well done and it's I'd love a survival horror game that is just that. The ending of Half-Life Alex is so well done. Uh, I played it on the index and that game is so beautiful and so fluid in the mo- movements of, you know, not forgetting that I'm in VR, but the way that in the beginning, you know, reloading, chambering one of the rounds, throwing stuff, using your telekinetic gloves to get stuff and put them in your backpack. Like by the end of it, it is like so second nature and flawless and, and easy to do that it was great. But I still was very much like this is a great VR game that I think is pushing VR very far, but I don't think we, there was so much hullabaloo when Valve announced that they were doing Half-Life Alex, and then when Keeley was like, I've played it, and it's like, transform, and even like, I think McCaffrey, when he was coming back and tweeting about it, was very much like, we couldn't stop talking about it, and it started getting, at least in my head, and maybe, and maybe as somebody who loves VR and, you know, is excited about VR games, I was very much like, holy shit, maybe this is, is this the one that like really, oh man, it's going to change everything and you play it. And I don't, don't think it changed everything. I think it's awesome. And I think it pushes VR further and I think it does VR better than probably anybody, but I don't think it goes to a point where I'm like, this is game of the year. Like, I just didn't feel that about it. Like I enjoyed the experience, but it's not one that I'm like, you have to run out and play. You have to go do this. Bless. What is your what game of the year so far? Right now, it's Final Fantasy VII Remake, like, pretty easily. Um, like, I, I guess right behind it probably would have been Doom Eternal. Um, but yeah, now that Final Fantasy VII Remake is, is out and I've played it and it's excellent. Like, you know, I, I think Final Fantasy VII Remake is the, is the game this year so far that I've fallen in love with. Um, and I can't really say that for any other game that I've played this year so far. Uh, this being my first experience with Final Fantasy VII, like, as an introduction to those characters... There are so many, there's so many different characters and so many different moments 
that I found myself again in love with, right? Like Barrett and from his speech in that first in in the beginning elevator all the way uh, carrying all the way through the end, right? Like I fell in love with that character. Uh, uh, Tifa, Aerith, like the way that those characters uh, feel like full characters, especially now that I'm playing the original Final Fantasy VII and I'm 15 hours in, right? Like the ways in which they've taken characters from the original game and really like fleshed them out and turned them into uh, uh, characters with motivations and 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 deep backstories that were there before, but seemed to be even even deeper than they were. Um, you know, all those seem great. Uh, but even away from that, right? Like the beauty of the game in terms of how it looks, in terms of the soundtrack, in terms of how everything how everything runs. Like I know there's like some rough there's some roughness in terms of like the textures when you get out into like uh, the slums and you like look at a at a door and the door doesn't look as as crisp and maybe as <laughs> it should be. Where where things matter, I think they they nail. Um, not only that, the the battle system you know is is super fun. Um, one of my favorite battle systems I've I've, I've played within the last recent years. Um, and yeah, like overall, like I just I I had a blast throughout my experience with that game. There are so many excellent moments that I had with that game. So easily my number one right now. Imran, what's your game of the year so far? <laughs> so I'm actually kind of stuck. But like I would think it would be Final Fantasy VII remake, but since I fat platinum that game and I was done with it, I find myself going back to Animal Crossing a lot more. And I like I know a lot of people online like there was that initial discourse of animal crossing is the game we need in quarantine right now like this is a happy nice game that we can all get into and then a couple weeks later there was the the backlash of animal crossing is a dumb baby game that we all hate and i was (laughs) you've seen the articles like i'm not wrong there have been like things like that but i think the break i took to play final fantasy 7 ended up helping me enjoy animal crossing more Hmm. because i keep just I, I started that game to do my daily thing. Now that the growth of the game is over, I'm no longer just building out a town, really. The town mm. is built. I've At this point, I'm just kind of terraforming it at best. But now that that's over, I go in to do my daily things with the game. I check in with the Nook Miles, check what the tournament prizes are, all that. And then I still keep playing for another hour or two, and I can't really tell why. Because I will get distracted by something. Yep. It'll be like, oh, well, okay, this river is here. What if I put this river over here? I went up to one of my cliffs the other day and just made like a little flower patch surrounded by river the other day. And it just looked nice. It took about like 20, 30 minutes to get it all done perfectly right. There was no point to it. It didn't have any like end goal reward for me. It just like, okay, this is a cute little thing that I can do. That said, I still really love FF7 a lot more. And I still think FF7 is one of those, one of the best games I've played in a long time. A lot of people disagree, but like, I was saying I was on Twitter last night and I was talking to a friend about the uh, the fight with Reno and Rude on top of the plate, and he was saying on hard mode it's really difficult and he's having a tough time. I was like, oh, did you know the strategy where if you just take out Reno first and then switch to Tifa, Rude won attacker, or he won't use his full move set because in the original game he admits he has a crush on her way later into the game, and that kind of applies to the remake because that was just one detail they picked out of he has a crush on her so he won't attack her as hard and it's stuff like that stuff that most they they them developing that game had a love for the original that i also had and being able to be on that wavelength with the people who are making the game makes it a much better game for me so i don't know if i could pick one of those two right now yeah we'll have to see man i mean for me obviously it's final fantasy 7 remake mm-hmm. i think that's like so 
understandable for uh, my love for the the original and for how much they just nailed the presentation of this and gameplay of this and all of it. But what you just said about being on the same page with the developers and all that, like that's that's so true for me because uh, my best friend Curran's favorite game of all time, Final Fantasy VII, and uh, he replayed it uh, recently, maybe a year ago. And he he he's outside of video games, so he doesn't really keep up with it all. And I sent him the trailer. I'm like, dude, like they're remaking it, and like this is how it looks. And he was like, holy crap, that looks amazing. Like he was stoked about it. He's like, I don't know that I really want to play a re- I just played it. I don't know that I want to re- play a remake right now. And I was like, just just wait. And then I played through this thing. I got him a code, and he was nonstop texting me for days, like just updates through it all. And he was just like, what the fuck? Like this is so much more than i expected from this like i thought it was going to be one for one i'm so happy it's not and he, he was like this is it's better in so many ways of building out the characters and the world and, and understanding this thing that he loves already so much and uh like two days ago he texted me and he was just like grab a drink hit up discord we need to talk and it was just <laughs> a screenshot of the credits and i was like let's fucking go and we just had such an amazing conversation and it, it's so funny to me that this this game is so divisive, especially the ending. So divisive to people. Mm-hmm. I'm happy as hell. I'm on the side that loved it, and I'm also happy that it seems like the majority of people I fuck with are on that same wavelength. Yeah. And having those conversations about a video game is why I play video games. Like I, it's this is what I love. It's the theorizing and it's the appreciating this, the little details, like the the roots crush on Tifa and all that stuff. When you hear that, and you're like, fuck, that's cool, you know, and it's those fuck that's cool moments that are just tied up in this thing that they they just made this with love and it it worked somehow it worked so it's going to be hard pressed to to see something uh knock this down for me i mean even last year at e3 uh it was my e3 game of the show playing the demo and i was so blown away that the combat was as interesting as it was and i feel like that translated to the final game so much where i beat sure. it and i'm like oh my god like they somehow did the entire Midgar giving me the same level of satisfaction that I had walking away from the E3 demo being like, what the fuck? There's something special about this. Yeah, still- I think when you Go when you speak to like the 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 love that the, the developers have for Final Fantasy VII, like even having played Remake, not having not played the original game, I think there is an earnestness in all the characters and in the world and all the moments that they create in that game that I think speaks with like speaks with that love that they have for it right like when mm-hmm. you get to like I don't, these aren't really spoilers but like when you get like to the 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 moment where you drop into uh Aerith's flower garden right and like the time they spend the 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 way the way in which they depict the church and all that stuff like the details that they, that they choose to to lighten up right the 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 way in which the soundtrack flows there the way in which that next scene happens like you could tell that they took that original game and went moment for moment and they went like hey how do we make this moment pop how do we make this next screen pop how do we turn these two screens into its own dungeon like the amount of of love and care i think shines through in a way that i really appreciate you like you look at barrett's relationship uh with uh is marlene the name of his daughter yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah like his relationship with marlene and how like not even by halfway through the game, you're like, okay, yeah, like I'm, I'm, you've convinced me, like, you know, Barrett really cares about this character and will do anything for this character. Like, that's the thing that I love about, like, my favorite JRPGs that I played, right? That's the same thing I love about Persona 4 is, you know, you look at, um, Nanako and her dad's relationship and you're like, 
yeah, I feel that. That's awesome, right? And granted, like in Persona 4 Golden, that's a 100-hour long game, and you spend all those hours, you know, getting to know those characters. Same in Persona 5, right? Like by the time I finished Persona 5, I was like, man, yeah, these characters mean something to me um, because I spent this time with them. I think I think Final Fantasy 7 Remake does a lot of those same things, get, gets through a lot of that same feeling of connection with those characters in, in 30 hours um, in a way that hits home and works and feels as legitimate as... Uh, as what I, I I feel like I interpret when people talk about playing the original game um, years ago, like it seems like I, I I feel a similar way about the characters now, um, which is I think a, a, a large feat that they accomplished yeah. there. Yeah, something I I also love about it is like going back to like the theorizing. I just want more of this game, and it's like mm-hmm. it's crazy yep. that I just want more of a thing that I've already loved for decades at this point, and it's like for something that I know so well to now kind of be like more open where I'm just like still thinking about this. Like I just spent an hour and a half, like I think yesterday uh, watching uh, easy allies, spoiler cast. Like I'm not even done with it, but it's like, I'm just, I want to hear more people talk about this game and like give their thoughts on different elements and all of it. And something that I think transcends for me is even though I know we're not supposed to other people's opinions affect me in ways that, uh you know we all want to be better than but i'm not oftentimes and when there's things that i love and i see people talking shit about them it does bother me and it like it hits me a certain way but there's something unique about Final fantasy 7 remake where i when i see people have criticism about it um or just you know flagrant distaste for it like it doesn't bother me it, it's kind of more like a thing where i'm like I, I kind of feel like i get it more where i'm just like cool i see where you're coming from but like there's something so good here and i feel like that's undeniable that it might not be for everybody but it really, really, really is for me and it for a lot of other people as well. And like that, that to me is what transcends. Yeah, for me, I, it's definitely the runner up in terms of right now, my game of the year, Final Fantasy VII Remake, right? Which I think is preposterous to say because it's close. Like, I, I mean, like for me, someone who has no affinity for that at all and the way it hit, the way I connected with it, the way those characters were as much fun as that battle system was like that speaks to how special that game is. And I mean, it, you know, Whereas Animal Crossing is this, you know, it's I'm finding something new to love every time about it and all these different things. Grant, it's a game that goes on and on and never ends. That was it can be said for Final Fantasy where it would be like, oh, shit, it's beautiful. Oh, shit. The combat's really cool. Oh, my gosh. Like they actually have characters going on here. You know, the Barrett stuff like you're talking about. Uh, But then like, oh, my God, the fucking music. Oh, my God. Like the twist, the turns, the additions of stuff in there like you know uh, chapter four being a fucking the best road rash game we've had in years like what the <laughs> fuck is going on how, how is this game doing all of this and sticking the landing yeah plus yeah, you're playing Final fantasy 7 original now how I is am, that yeah. h- how is that affecting your thoughts on remake if at all i mean it's making me love it more um and like it's it's one of those things where by the time i got to where remake kind of cuts off in the original Final Fantasy VII, you know, I did have that moment of like, wow, they really took that and made a whole like forty-hour experience. Like, kudos to them. Like, they 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 figured it out. It's 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 definitely sparked like a like a, a fan in me. Like, I'm definitely at the point where I'm like, I cannot wait to see how they figure the rest of this game out in remake because, uh, like. You know, the fact that, you know, there's a certain point where Final Fantasy VII, the original game, goes, like, bigger, right? And, like, you kind of, it's, it's, it becomes more of an explorative thing. Um, I can't wait to see how they tackle that. I can't wait to see how they tackle certain scenes that are coming up. Like, literally right after where, where Remake ends. Like, I'm curious to see, like, how they tackle, like, the next few hours of it. 
Um, yeah, I'm having a blast with it. And it's, the more I play the original, the more I even, in fact, uh, enjoy remake. Um, and so, yeah, it's definitely having one of those things. And to, to what you were saying earlier about like how pe- people are having conflicted thoughts on Final Fantasy VII remake, like I think that's also a thing that's making me appreciate the game more right is the fact that like i think for a lot of people coming out of that game and finishing it and putting it down like you think back to it and the idea the the fact that you can have a a bad reaction to it i think makes makes it more interesting um Mm -hmm. because like that's definitely me right like i i finished final final fantasy 7 remake and those last few chapters after talking to you guys about it i was like man i don't know how i feel about that like as somebody who's coming into final fantasy 7 new but like the fact that like i'm i i'm coming out i'm i'm coming out of it with this with this idea that like i don't know how i feel that's like that's one of my favorite feelings i can get from a video game right like not not totally. not knowing totally. or not not being able to come to terms with the thing um so that alone like the risks that they that they took with final fantasy 7 remake despite it being a remake right like you know th- those are things that i i highly respect about the game that I, and that bring it to another level for me before we move on, any are there any final calls you guys want to give shout outs to for games so far this year? I think we've covered most of the ones I've played this year, honestly. Yeah. Like th- by this point, I would have thought I would have played more, but mm-hmm. so many, so much stuff got delayed and is now indefinite. So speaking on that, then to to close out the show, what do we think coming this year? Still going to to enter this conversation? I mean, we have I would say the big guns of Last of Us Part Two, Ghost of Tsushima, and um, Cyberpunk. Mm. You know, we know those are all coming. Uh, Marvel's Avengers is in that as well. Like, what do we hey, think about those for now? To uh, well, to your previous question about like games we, that we played this year already, I also do want to give a shout out to Uniclear, Undernight in Birth, uh, Late Clear. Which, if I made a top five right now for the year, I think it would be be my top five. Uh, <laughs> I absolutely love that game. If you're unfamiliar with with Uniclear, like. And and if you like fighting games, like two D fighting games, definitely look it up. I talked about it on PSLVXOXO, um, like like seven episodes ago or something. But yeah, I'm having a blast with it. Yeah. So with the with the the upcoming games, what do we think? I mean, obviously, Last of Us. Like, unless they really botch it, and I don't think Sony would ever let them bo- let Naughty Dog botch that game so much that it would not be on the game of the year list. Like there's there's a reasonable argument that maybe it won't be as good as Last of Us 1, but I don't think it would in any scenario ever be bad. Mm-hmm. I think that's definitely going to be in contention for game of the year. Cyberpunk has anyone actually gotten hands on with Cyberpunk yet? Like no. period, anybody. Not 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 even necessarily here. No, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, I don't I don't yeah. think so. No. So like I, I'm confident based on the fact that it's from CD Projekt Red and they've made good games before. They made Witcher 3, which is up there in the games of generation. I, I'm sure it is great. But there's always that small chance of mm-hmm. like, maybe this game isn't as good as they've been portraying it to be. Sure. I, we'll see. I'm, I'm That actually low-key kind of excites me. The fact that it's still... Like Cyberpunk still has that air of mystery to it. Like I know we've, we've seen gameplay. We've seen trailers. We've seen Johnny Silverhand or whatever his name is. And like we know, we know what the vibe of Cyberpunk is going to be. But Cyberpunk to me remains the game that I am most anticipating this year, even above Last of Us Part Two. Wow. But I think that's partly because like I I know what I'm going to get with Last of Us Part Two. I'm hella mm-hmm. excited for it. Last of Us One is a masterpiece, right? Like I, Cyberpunk being somewhat of an unknown factor, and it being from CD Projekt Red, and it being like this open world huge RPG, 
um, that is cyberpunk, right? I think there's so much potential for that to come out and no pun intended, like change the game. Like there, I like I have Breath of the Wild like hopes for cyberpunk at this point. Like I want that game to come out and really like change the way that I look at video games. Yeah, I hope sense. we don't get to play it. I hope there isn't some giant preview that comes out for it. I hope they do just yeah. ride that of like, hey, yeah, it's us and this is the game and here it comes and it you is should fucking believe in us. Yeah, like I I'm expecting cyberpunk to be to me what Final Fantasy VII was to Greg, where it's like not traditionally my type of thing. But uh, I, I it, it's speaking to me because I, I'd be crazy to deny giving this thing a shot. And everything I've seen from it, I'm just like, damn, I do not like giant games like that. But I, I like this. I like this a lot. It looks so, so, so game changing. Like it looks next level. Like it doesn't look like anything we've seen before. Like we can put words to it and talk about it being open world and blah, blah, blah. But like from everything they've talked about and so far, it all just looks 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10. Like, yeah. That's yeah. crazy. And, and if, there, if there's a developer that that is going to come out and put out a game that changes the game, it's going to be CD Projekt Red right now, coming off of Witcher 3, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I still think that, you know, everything we're talking about here and then everything that's going on, when we get to the end of the year, and this is, a, you know, obviously uh, these games actually come out and stuff, uh, I still think it'll be Last of Us. Like, And I granted, I'm basing that off that one, what was it, two-hour, four-hour preview I did or whatever, and where we got the two different vertical slices of it. And so, you know, that could easily fall apart. That could easily not be as much fun as I think it's going to be. It could be a Days Gone situation where I thought that previewed really well and that I didn't enjoy it at review. But it's still the game that I don't find myself sitting around being like, oh, my God, I'm so excited. And then when it gets delayed, I get all upset. I feel like it's just a known quantity that that game's going to be awesome. And that could work against it, as we've already talked about. Of like, oh man, Doom Eternal is objectively a better game than Doom, but it just doesn't have the same punch because of it. But that's, again, you know, selfishly the kind of game I want to play, right? A great story, great visuals, great acting, and see what it's going to be. Uh, I, I think Cyberpunk's going to be awesome. I can't wait for that one. I don't think uh, Avengers or Ghost will be in the conversation. And Avengers, I'm going off of the fact that I think they've just had a clunky reveal of that and what is it. And it is kind of Destiny, but it isn't. And they're weaving that in with the story and like, Again, especially during this time period, it's I've had that moment of like, fuck, it'd be cool if we had Avengers right now. Like, I'd 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 fuck some people up as Captain America oh, yeah. or whatever. Like, it was especially as me and Bless keep trying to find a game to play together that we're both really into. Like, if that was the one, yeah, fuck yeah, let's go. But I could easily see it being similar to how Division Two was for me last year, right? Of like my most played game of the year, a game I fucking adore and I'm playing again right now or playing more of right now, and you know, organizing raids and doing all this shit and still chasing stuff. But not my game of the year, right? Yeah. Like, it's same thing with Borderlands, right? I fucking loved Borderlands last year, but it wasn't, like, my game of the year. Um, I think it could be in that camp of it where it's a great – it's a it's a fucking time, man. You're having a great time. But I don't think it's going to hit, like, what I think made Spider-Man a game of the year contender. And then for Ghost, it's the same thing, but in a different vein, I guess, where I love Sucker Punch. Obviously, Infamous, you know, I think is probably one of, if not my most beloved PlayStation 3 franchises or PlayStation franchises in general, Infamous 1 and 2. And I know that's sacrilege for Nathan Drake, but it's true. Um, And so Ghost is just in this interesting thing of like, cool, it's this samurai game again that we don't know a lot about and magazines make up previews about it and, <laughs> and that man gets spread around his news apparently i don't know i don't know hazy or not that all went down but it, that's another one whereas like cyberpunk we don't know a lot about it and that's fucking awesome let's go in ghost i'm like i'd still like to know more i'd still I, that's one i could go for a preview playthrough of and to get a better read on what that game's actually going to be i'm sure it's gonna be great yeah. but 
how great? And is it going to be super engaging? And how's it, who's the character? You know, I don't know. There's so many questions about that I have that I want to be sold on more. Well, Tim, what about you and Halo Infinite? Because I know that's oh, a man. Yeah, I until you just said that, I didn't even remember that that's coming this year. What a crazy ass year, potentially. <laughs> this all happens. Mm-hmm. Halo Infinite is, um, you know, it, it's funny because we're talking about the known quantities of these things. And, and with Last of Us, it's you guys have both said this so well. Where it's like it's a known quantity. We know that it's it's going to be good. It's expected to be good. And I think that it coming from the naughty dog it's coming from now, it it's going to be spectacular. Like this is a naughty dog that has learned from so many classic games at this point. And Last of Us, I feel coming after the Uncharted trilogy. Uh, really was like a tonal shift that we saw kind of reflected in Uncharted 4 in the sense of being more grown up, trying to not just make it mm-hmm. a fun action caper thing. It's like, no, 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 there's characters and these, these characters are supposed to mean something to each other. There's repercussions too. There's repercussions to all of it. And it's just like you care about them and their relationships. And then Last of Us 2, I imagine, is going to take that and turn it up to a, a bazillion, you know? And I, I feel like when you compare that to things like Cyberpunk where – in a lot of ways, Cyberpunk kind of feels like their CD Projekt's Red chance to do something after the success of Witcher Three, and they're just like all eyes on us, and we're going to stick this landing. So it's going to we're going to go all out. It's going to be dope. Halo Infinite, I kind of feel doesn't have either of those juices going into it. It's more like a this one better be good. Yeah, they you have know, to prove like, themselves this time. Like, yeah. they, they can't do another bad Halo game. It's it's like we we want something more from this, but like I, I feel like they have a lot on their plate because of things like God of War being what they they are. Where here's a beloved franchise that like eventually ran out of steam, and now we're gonna like bring it back, and it's going to be this generation defining moment. And I feel like Halo Infinite, if it isn't that, is always it. This is make or break for Halo as a franchise. It'll yeah, always how do you reinvigorate it'll always a franchise be big. that is one of the crown jewels of video games, right? But yeah. but how do you maintain that it will always be a crown jewel and not just oh another gears? Yep. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's similar to how we talk about 2D Mario almost, where it's like 2D Mario used to be like the greatest thing of all time. Now you look at New Super Mario Brothers and you're like, yeah, this is good. Like this is great, but it's not. It's not Mario Three. It's not Mario World. It's not Odyssey. You know, like people aren't yeah. aren't going to talk about it in that type of way. Um, but yeah, so I, I feel I'm feeling good about Infinite, and we haven't seen much of it, but I, I feel like they they know they fucking know they need to do this. Mm-hmm. So, and I feel like they have the backing of Xbox, knowing that they need to do this as well. So, I think that that's uh, probably the least likely to be the game of the year. But I'd be fucking stoked if it was. Can I th- I'd be can most I excited out-, out of all these if Halo Infinite was game of the year. <laughs> can I throw out a game that that I like? It's a game that strikes me as something that could be in the conversation, but by no means like I don't think like. So you guys remember the game Twelve Minutes from Oh yeah, the yeah. Xbox conference. That game gives me vibes of like if they nail this this idea and really nail this story and what they're doing here, then I I could see that game being in like the the. If not game of the year conversations at the very least, like maybe like indie game of the year at Game Awards, because um, that game looked super excellent to me um, when we saw the trailer. Like it looked really compelling. You know the, what 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 they were doing, like the the top down uh, for people who might not remember, right? Like the looping timeline, and you're like going through the story over and over again and trying to 
uh, I guess, save your your family. Watch the Let's um, Play at youtube.com slash kind of funny games from 2015. 2015. Wait, it was a Let's Play? <laughs> yeah, that, he's local. He came through and showed it at the uh, office after I saw it somewhere. And he, he sent me a very nice letter after the reveal on uh, the Xbox stage saying, like, this would not have happened if it wasn't for kind of fun, which meant a lot. So oh, damn. Cool. Yeah, when uh, you said he came by the office. You definitely meant he came by. He came by my house. Spare bedroom. He came <laughs> yeah. to your house, and we did it at the kitchen table. <laughs> no, we did that one at the couch. That's a couch one, wasn't it? Sure. <laughs> I also want to give a shout out to Fall Guys, which probably won't oh, be yeah. in the game of the year conversation, but I think but looks, it ended so up in great. Like top tens. You know, like the same with Sports Story. I, I can see that. Like that's a game that I'm personally looking forward to, and that game will, can probably end up in my top ten. And then another one, person, another personal one for me is No More Heroes Three. That's a game that I'm very much looking forward to. Um, and like you know, that's a game that I don't necessarily expect to be like a Game Awards, you know, one of the five, six nominees. But that's another game that, if we're talking about like our personal top tens, that's a game that I'm looking forward to. Like hope, hope, hopefully reaching that, like being in my top ten games of the year. By that same token, if Spelunky three, 2 actually manages to come out this year, then I'm going to be that one weird guy sitting in the corner like throwing off our entire point system by putting Spelunky at the very top. <laughs> Spelunky 1 is honestly like a perfect video game. It may not be like the best video game ever, but it is a perfect video game. Mm-hmm. And I think like if Spelunky 2 nails it as well as Spelunky 1 did, then they're I mean, put everything else home. Why, I mean, why even bother? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the kind of funny games cast for this week. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we are about to do the post show that's exclusive to patreon.com slash kind of funny games supporters. So stay tuned for that until next week. I love you and appreciate it.